0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. I get to preach from one of my favorite chapters today. Hallelujah. I'll try to keep it under three hours, all right? So uh, uh, I'll do my best. 1 Kings 18. I'm, uh, here's, here's the scripture I want to begin with today. This is where we've been studying, praying, allowing God to speak to us. Uh, this from I had you turn to 1 Kings 18, but I've got here kind of our foundation scripture. Psalm 118. You can put that up. It says this. Psalm 110, pardon me, verse 3. Uh, King James translation. Thy people become willing in the day of your power. I want you to listen to that again. God's people... Become willing in the day of his power. This, this phrase, day of your power, is not necessarily limited to 24-hour span, but it is a season. It is a moment. It is an appointed time. Please hear what I'm saying. There is something that happens inside of us. Someone say me. There is something that changes in me. Say me. When I encounter the power of God. There are decisions you will not make. Unless you're in the presence of God, there are choices we do not have the courage to make without the power of God present in our life. And we're going to see today that one of the seeds of revival and awakening is that a nation, a nation can shift when they see the power of God. There is a need today in the church to encounter the power of God. There's a need in every home. To encounter the power of God. There's a need in my life today. Someone say my life. As your pastor, I want to tell you, there's a need in my life today. My life to encounter the power of God. I need to be reminded God's bigger than I am. Do you need to be reminded of that? I need to be reminded he's bigger than my problem. I need to be reminded he's bigger than the mountain in front of me. I need to be reminded that he can do what I cannot do. There is something that shifts in me. There is a boldness that rises in us. There is a willingness that rises in us to say, God, I trust you when we encounter the power of God. And it's important we do that. So we, we see that, that there, is, there is a willingness. There is a shifting of our choice. There is a changing of our will when we encounter the power of God. And let me say something to us uh, about this today. It's critical. Free will. Free will was given by God, even in the Garden of Eden, when everything was perfect. Think of that, what God made. And and, you know, I, I, I was teaching the ladies in recovery ministry this week, and I have to admit to you, when I read what God created, I look at the beauty of the Garden of Eden and where he placed Adam and Eve and where God intended for you and I to live. I sometimes want to smack Adam on the back of the head, don't you? Say, what were you thinking, you knucklehead? Am I the only one that does that? I want to. I, he he needs a slap right on the back of the head. So what did you do to us? What were you thinking? When we get to heaven, we'll be glorified, sanctified. We won't slap anybody on the back of the head. But but I sometimes think I might want to. Okay. So so here's the deal. God created this amazing garden of Eden. It was blessed. He said, "It's all yours, except one tree." You got everything in this garden. But the one tree. You know why? Because they had a free will. Because they had the right to choose. Because you can't really love someone unless you choose to love someone. You can't really serve God unless you choose to serve God. And so I want to tell you something today. Counter to our culture. Counter to our victim mentality. Is everybody listening to me? Counter to the martyr complex that pervades everything we hear today. You have a will. You have the ability to choose, and everything you will be tomorrow is a result of the things you chose to do today. How many listen to what I'm saying? You hear me right now? And who you are today will be a will be a result of the choices you make. People may have made bad choices all around you. You may be victimized. You may have been have been abused. You may be have, have, all those things may have really happened, but you can choose. To surrender your life to Jesus. To begin to make choices that honor him. And your will is the greatest gift that God has given you. You can make one choice to serve Jesus and it will be greater than every bad choice you ever made leading up until that day. How many are thankful for that? So today I want to speak over you today. This is so important. God's people, all people become willing when you encounter his power. The people living in this world today that don't know Jesus, do you know what they need? It's not that they're bad. It's not that they're angry. It's not that somebody going to church is better. They haven't encountered the power of God yet. They haven't seen the reality of Jesus yet. But I believe when they do, they'll say, that's everything I've been looking for. Amen? So let's look at this. We're here in chapter 18. I'll begin reading 1 Kings 18 and verse 16. Well, let let me do that. Let's let's read about five verses here to begin. Now, you need to keep your device on, your Bible open. We're going to read a lot of, of, of scripture here in 1 Kings 18. Let's begin in verse number 16. So Obadiah, who was a priest, went to meet Ahab, who was the king, and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So uh, Elijah had shown himself to Obadiah and said, go tell Ahab, I'm ready to meet him. All right? Uh, so we read this, verse 17. When he, when Ahab saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? And then Elijah responds in verse 18, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family had. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now, uh, he says, summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Jezebel was Ahab's wife, the queen. 850 false prophets of demon idols ate every day at the king's table at the invitation of his wife Jezebel. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And look at this line. But the people said, Nothing. They were unwilling. They were unwilling. He confronted them and said, come on, let's let's meet. Now, here's the setting. Uh, In chapter 17, we meet Elijah for the first time. God raises this prophet up out of nowhere. It says, Elijah from Tishbe, the Tishbite. It would kind of be like saying today, let me think, I need to be careful and be delicate here so I don't offend anybody. You know, we live in a world of offenses now, so let let me try to be careful. So I'm trying to think of a rural place that nobody's from, and I'm having a hard time. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll fall on the sword for the sake of the moment. So here was this dude from southeast Arkansas that walked out of came out of nowhere, this redneck hick, and he walks in front of this king. He says, King Ahab, I've got a message from God. And Ahab says, who's this guy? Where'd he come from? What do you mean? What do you have to say? He says, it will not rain again in Judah until I say so. You have a nice day. And he walked out. Well, the king scoffs at him. But a month later, it hasn't rained. And six months later, it hasn't rained. And a year later, it hasn't rained. And now Elijah's the most wanted man in Judah. And King Ahab is searching everywhere to find this prophet and to kill him for for pronouncing judgment On Judah. Now you have to understand the drought was not Elijah's fault. It was the sin of the king and the nation. But Elijah just brought the message. How many understand what I'm saying? So for three and a half years, there is a severe famine. There is no rain. There is a drought. It has become desperate. But for the first part of that drought, here's what you need to understand. Elijah is chilling out in a ravine. And everywhere else the water's dried up, and he's got a nice little brook flowing by where he's drinking water every day. And the Bible says, of all things, crows are bringing him his breakfast and his dinner. So he's at the, uh, the, you know, the, the fresh creek air, B and B. And every morning and afternoon he gets room service. Come on. It's good. And the whole nation is starving and thirsty and angry and it's in drought. But God has a way of taking care of his people no matter what other circumstances may be going. How many are with me today? So after a while, the brook dries up. Now here's where a lot of Christians get in trouble. We don't think God can move except in one way. Let me try this over here. I got to say, see, some of us are still mad at God because he didn't do it today the way he did it yesterday. In fact, if you take a second look, God may be doing something now that is an answer to your prayer, but because you only think he can do it the way he used to do it. Well, see, you don't think. That he can move in the service unless we're singing the same song they sang the night you got saved. But God may just be bigger than a song or a moment or a year or a history or an altar. uh, You know, we don't have the red carpet anymore. He may be bigger than what he did when you were 20 because you're not 20 anymore. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. So the brook dried up. Now, you know what a lot of Christians and churches would do? They would have died there. Do you know why churches are dying and closing in America? Because we're trying to drink from a brook that's dry when God says, I did it then, but I got something brand new for you right now. So he says, okay, the, we, we, we had the, the brook season. Now we're going to go over and there's a widow in Zarephath. She's waiting for you. And uh, so now he goes out of Judah into a, a, an area that's, that's not even, you know, God's territory. And he says, now when you get there, you're gonna meet a widow and you need to ask her to feed you. So the lady comes and, and uh, man, the arrogance of these prophets. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> well, I got a lot to say about that, but that's another sermon. Anyway, you know, in the Old Testament, if you prophesied, you got stoned. And I'm not talking about weed. Nowadays, you just throw them all out. If one sticks to the wall, you're a prophet. But anyway, I'm going on. So, 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 uh, so what happened is uh, he, he, go, he goes to and finds this lady, and, and he says, I, I need you to feed me. She said, well, this is all I got in my last meal. I'm going to cook this last meal and make one last cake. Me and my son are going to eat it and die. Here's what I'm saying. You better know you're from God. He says, well, that's good, but you feed me first. How would that play on Facebook right now? Can you see that go viral? Prophet goes into a town, finds a starving widow, takes her last food. What kind of an arrogant, religious bigot is he? Well, she said, he said, you feed me first and then you the boy eat. Now, I'm not suggesting that unless you're from God. <laughs> so she does what he says. And then the Bible says that her bucket of meal, her, her bin of flour never ran out. And he, God miraculously not only fed the prophet, the lady, her son, but it says the family moved in too. Isn't it amazing? People start believing when God starts feeding some people. I mean, you know, those skeptics and all. Well, you know, maybe there is a God. So here's my point. During this three and a half years, Elijah did okay. During the three and a half years, everything was going okay. And during that three and a half years, you know, what we call a delay may be a development in your life. What we may consider that God's late, God may be getting you ready for the next thing that he's doing in your life. And so we might say that Elijah did his big prophecy and then he went into the isolation, but maybe what you call isolation, God's calling protection over your life. Maybe what you're learning in the drought is that God can provide for us when no one else knows how to provide for us. Anybody with me today? But the king says to him, look with me again, when he sees him in verse 16, verse 17, when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Isn't it interesting that he wants to blame Elijah for the trouble the nation is in, but he's got 850 false prophets sitting at his table every day, eating in the house of God, feeding them with the money that belongs to God. And he wants to blame the prophet because the nation's in trouble. You're the troubler. And Elijah says, I didn't bring you any trouble. You're the reason that we've got trouble here. And they gather the people together. Can can, can I encourage you with something today? Uh, There was a drought, but Elijah was still eating. There was a crisis, but God's still providing. How many of us need to, we need to understand today. We don't need to get shook up. When the world is going through a crisis We don't need to become afraid Or you're listening to me church When things get a little tight I was reading again and in a meeting here this last week With some pastors and elders and presbyters From across the southeast U.S. And they reminded us that during the great tribulation not I'm sorry, during the great depression It was almost like that During the depression in the 30s Our fellowship of of full gospel churches Listen to this During the depression Tripled in everything Every category. During the Depression, are you with me? Tripled the number of churches. Tripled the number of people that got saved. Tripled the income that came in the church. Are you hearing me today? They tripled in every area during the Great Depression. Have any of you ever heard of the Los Angeles Dream Center? Pastor Barnett, we've heard of that. We met Pastor Barnett. Well, where they worship now is in this phenomenal building called the Angeles Temple. It was built by a lady named Amy Simple McPherson who was an evangelist during that day. It's one of the most stunning buildings today. If you take the little drive-around bus tour in, in Los Angeles today, they'll drive you by the Angeles Temple. And you stand in the temple, it's 100 feet to the ceiling, the dome above your head. There are two levels of balconies in this building. It's phenomenal. I remember the first time I went there, Pastor Barnett took Phyllis and I in, and, and, and they were refurbing the building. This lady had an amazing healing ministry. And so we're walking through this, this building that was almost uh, had, had, was a, not even used anymore, they were refurbishing it. And we walked around this curved hallway. It's a round building. And I came to this trophy case. And the trophy case, Phyllis, was it twice as long as this platform? Probably at least. It goes from here twice. And it's, it's eight feet tall. There's a trophy case. And I'm looking in this trophy case. And this is what it's full of. Wheelchairs, cots, breathing machines, crutches, uh, casts. Uh, uh, everything you can imagine these were all the things that had been left behind in that building after the healing services that happened they would collect them and put them in this trophy case it was stunning to see but what you need to know is that building was built during the great depression and when they got through it was built debt free what you and I need to remember today if three banks go down in California if another bank goes down somewhere else I'm going to tell you There may be a famine but we serve Jehovah Jireh And he will provide and provide and provide and provide And I'm going to tell you God delights in feeding you When everybody else that's serving the false God Doesn't know where to get their next meal Our God is faithful in every circumstance Now that was my introduction I need to keep moving along here So they're waiting he says, who are you going to serve? Let's, let's cut to the deal. 21, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you, look at this. This is amazing. Come on, you got to get this. How long will you waver between two opinions? No, notice this. This is shocking. What are the two opinions? What are the two opinions? He says to them, how long are you going to waver? And the Bible says, the people said nothing. They weren't willing. We can't answer. We're not going to make a decision. We're not going to choose. you know why? They had not had a power to counter in their life. I believe that God is going to use some of the current crises going on in this nation to show himself strong. I believe instead of everything being perfect, we may have the next awakening in America when things aren't going well. I believe God may use the backdrop of a drought like he did for Elijah to show that he is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. I believe that he might, on the backdrop of bank failures, might show himself Jehovah Jireh, the provider. I believe he might just step up and rattle a nation in the middle of a crisis. There's something amazing that happens when a crisis comes. I'm reminded of a couple of months ago on a Monday night... The Buffalo Bills were playing the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. And there in the second quarter of this game, a young defensive back for Buffalo, DeMar Hamlin, made a tackle, tried to get to his feet, stumbled and fell to the ground again. Had a cardiac arrest and his heart stopped. The young man was laying on that football field. In all essence, he had died. Emergency rushes on the field and they did a great job. But what I saw happen instantly as the people began praying. Isn't it interesting what happens in the middle of a crisis where somebody now says, I think I'm going to listen one more time. I think there may be a God in this moment. And so as he's laying on the ground and his life, hanging in the balance, I saw two football teams gather and humble themselves and kneel and begin to pray. I saw the Internet explode all over Facebook. People pray for tomorrow, pray for tomorrow, pray for tomorrow. The next day on a, on a sports network that used to do sports and now does commentary there was one of their men one of their sports anchors who prayed over that young man and there was no pushback do you know why because there comes a moment when man runs out of all that he has and they will look one more time and say God if you can help us if you can do anything I'm going to tell you the days coming in America if you and I will hold steady and pray and believe God and walk in faith and not be afraid if there's a drought or a famine or the bank goes down or this closes and we stay with God God's going to use a crisis for somebody to stand up and say I know a God who's bigger than the crisis who heals the sick and raises the dead saves the lost that's the God that we're finding you see what's happening to us he says you're wavering between two opinions two opinions what were they God, Elijah, the word of the living God, or demonic priests and prophets. Look at this. We, we say it's two opposites, but they wavered. Are we going to follow Baal? Are we going to follow God? They couldn't make a decision. They couldn't answer. Which one are you going to do? The people remained silent. I believe it's where our nation is today, wavering between opinions. Maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you're listening to me online. Maybe you're sitting in this room today. On one part of you, you say, I believe in God. I believe he's God. I believe it's God. But there's another part of you that won't serve him, and you're over here. You're wavering between two things. You're going to the club on Saturday night, doing your thing, spending your money, wasting your time. And you get up and come to church on Sunday morning, wash your face, and you're wavering between two opinions. I believe there are people that don't know who he is because they haven't had a power encounter with him yet. They become so familiar with a building, but they forgot the God that we've come to worship in the building. And so he says, you're wavering, you're wavering, you're shifting back and forth. You haven't had a power encounter. It's no wonder that people are, 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 can easily slip from one to the other today. It's no it's no wonder that people can run with one group and run with another group. Fellowship here and fellowship there. Bless here and curse there. Why? Because he says until you've encountered the power of God that radically helps you know he is real, he loves me, he's for me, he's the answer for me, you waver. And so here they are wavering between Baal, a demonic God who requires that you sacrifice your babies to him and throw them in a fire to prove your allegiance and the almighty God who gave his only son to love you and save you and help you and heal you and they're walking back and forth between the two. People are trying to worship both. Do you hear what I'm saying today? When you're caught between there, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable and of his ways he should not expect to receive anything from God isn't it interesting that today like then there are people who go to church on Sunday but then waver to the other side when they leave and they're the people always saying well God never does anything for me I don't see God showing up I don't know why nothing's happening I don't sense the presence of God because you don't give him opportunity to do something in your life You're going to have to make a stand somewhere. You're going to have to make a choice. These people said, we don't want to know. See, we're we're, we're in this place today in this man-made, self-centered, unholy combination of compromise between what we want to do and what we know the truth of God is. That's where Judah was in that day. There's a a buzzword going on in, in the church world today. It's called deconstruction of your faith. Deconstruction of your faith. It's okay to examine your faith. It's okay to say, "Is am, am I believing?" But if you're going to examine your faith, you don't do it sitting in a circle with a bunch of people who wouldn't know God if He walked in. <laughs> you want to re-examine your faith? You need to open your Bible, get on your knees, and say, "God, show yourself to me." Now, if you want to talk about construction, I can tell you construction. I grew up in construction. And this is what my father taught me as an engineer and an architect. If you're going to reconstruct, if you're going to deconstruct something, the first thing you better do is go find the supporting walls in that house. You better find the beams that hold the house up. And if you can determine what holds the place up, if you know where your points of stability are, then you can rearrange all the other stuff. So I'm going to tell you today, if you're examining your faith... You better understand where the pillars are, where the truth is. You better be able, if you're going to reevaluate what you believe, you better start over here and find this supporting beam. His name is Jesus Christ. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if you walk to this corner, you're going to find Jesus who is the Savior who died on a cross and shed His blood and rose from the dead. And if you want to go to the other corner, if you're going to find a beam, it says Jesus who heals the sick by His stripes. We were healed and if you want to find another corner this says Jesus Christ who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and if you want to go to the other corner it says Jesus Christ is coming back again someday and if you believe who he is and you know what he does and you honor the word of God your faith will stand the test of time you won't waver you won't waffle you won't walk around and say who knows this Bible knows who knows what truth is this is what truth is this will stand the test of time you don't need to say well who can tell the truth this is the truth it doesn't matter what someone says it doesn't matter what my emotions are It doesn't matter what my experience is this is the truth of God's word and it will bear his truth and hold you steady no matter what you're going through so this is the deal let's look at this people can't decide verse 22 then Elijah said to them I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left but Baal has 450 prophets. He's not even counter the other 400. So this is the deal. Let's get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves. And let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. mm The God who answers by fire, he is God. Boy, you got to have some backbone. Come on, tell the truth. Tell the truth. You're outvoted 450 to 1. The king wants to kill you. The queen wants to kill you. He said, let's let's just see who answers by fire. Mm -mm -mm. Then all the people said, what you say is good. They're still out here in the valley of decision. (laughs) they're still out here see isn't it interesting they, they, they were thirsty they were hungry but they still weren't willing to say God is God they had need in their life they were hurting in their life things were, going, were out of kilter in their life they still wouldn't make a decision to serve God so he said, let's see who has the fire verse 25 Elijah said to the prophets of Baal choose one of the bulls prepare it first since there are so many of you he said you go first take your best shot Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them, and they prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. So first they're yelling, now they're dancing. Okay? At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. This is a bad boy. I like this bad boy. I got to tell you, I like this bad boy. I like somebody that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Come on, somebody tell the truth. Now, when's the last time you had a friend that challenged your faith? When's the last time you had somebody, you get around him and say, my God, am I even saved? Come on, somebody, yeah, okay. So, so, so Elijah says, uh, he, he's taunting them. Uh, uh, see, <laughs> Elijah nowadays, he'd be so socially uncouth. Come on, tell the truth. What, what, would, what would you and your little friend group do if Elijah showed up? I'm just sorry. I don't know why he said that. We didn't want to offend you. I'm so sorry. I don't know who he is. We're not going to invite him back. He wasn't on the guest list. I mean, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We want to just stand around and not do anything, look like a doofus. We can't talk, we can't make a decision. We don't want to offend anyone. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought, or busy, or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you need to wake him up. So they shouted louder. Now look at this. So first they scream, then they dance. Now they cut themselves, swords and spears, as was their custom, till their blood flowed. Midday passed. And they continued their frantic prophesying till the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. You know, I I, I could say this in a lot of tones, but I'm going to say it in this way because it's serious and it's sad. It's a picture of our culture today. They've tried every emotional avenue that can be found. They move from one thing and, and, and went through every emotional gamut that's out there. Until here we are, almost following the same pattern. And now we, we, we find young people that, that, that are cutting and slashing themselves. Trying to find some relief from their pain. By more pain. We find young men and women under ill advice. Mutilating their bodies. Trying to determine their sexuality and gender. We, 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 here, here it is. It's in front of us. And I would say to the church before we cast stones and point fingers, are we a place where they can find the power of God? Are there enough places where hurting, confused people can encounter God, find the fire, have their lives transformed? I'm tired of arguing with skeptics. I've had enough arguments with dead religious people. I've been in enough conversations with atheists and agnostics and skeptics. I've had enough time with lukewarm Christians. What I want to see is fire, power, reality, so that instead of us arguing with broken, wounded bleeding, mutilated, desperate people that we're introducing them to the power of God. That they're encountering the reality of God. It's a a sober tone for me. It's not a finger pointing, joking about these things. Making fun of people. Isolating people. Acting like we're better than people. I want the woman with the alabaster box... To be able to crawl in the back door of this church. And someone might say. You, your kind doesn't belong here. But there's enough of the power of God present. That she's willing to say. If I've got to push through the shame. And the embarrassment. And have to walk through the stairs. And the finger pointing. I'm going to keep coming. Until I get to his feet. And find the only thing that ever changed my life. And that will always be a place. Where someone can say, you don't know the cost of my alabaster box. You weren't there the day he saved me. You didn't see when he put his arms around me. You don't know how he changed me. And that's who we will always be in this place. Not a finger pointing. Political debating. Cultural icon. If I'm going to be an influencer, I want to influence because I put you in the presence of the power of the only God that can change your life. If I have followers, I want them to follow me while I walk and follow Jesus. If I have people that are interested in what we do, it's because we offer something that'll bring the fire into this world today. Verse 30. Elijah said to all the people come here to me see this he didn't run them off he said come he said are you tired have you done enough You know, in our terminology you know what he say is that working for you how's that work for you that's what I want to be able to say is that working for you how's that working you happy (laughs) you blessed you whole you have peace you lay your head down at night thanking God for what he's done You wake up in the morning thanking him for a new day. How's that working for you? Why don't you come? Why don't you come here to me? Come here. They came to him. You see that they came. You know why? Because everything they had trusted in had just been exposed as empty before them. So they come. He prepared the altar of the Lord. See, look at this. What was the altar of the Lord like? What does it say? It was what? It's in ruins. It's in ruins. Church wasn't praying. The people weren't praying. There was nothing being done to bring the presence and the fire of God. The altar was in ruins. So he says, uh, he took 12 stones. And he put them together, one for each tribe of Jacob. Verse 32. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord you know, what we're going to have to do, he didn't go pray at the altar where they'd been praying to Baal. He wasn't confused about who's going to answer his prayer. He wasn't over here worshiping with idols and fellowshipping with, with cultural icons. He said, I'm going to rebuild the altar of God. I'm going to go dig up some things we used to have and we've thrown away. I want you to listen to me today. There's some things in your life That may need to be restored. There's some truths that need to be brought back into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some altars that need to be rebuilt. Is anybody tracking with me today? There's some Christians who need to get on their knees again. And go back and find your prayer room and dust off our Bibles and, and, and allow God to break our heart again for what breaks his heart and, and be passionate about what he's passionate about and rebuild some truth, some things that matter. We we He, he said, I've, I've got to rebuild this altar. I, I, I've got to put this thing back together. So he puts it together and then he says... Uh, with verse thirty-two, with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two seas of seed. He arranged the wood, and 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 you know I just, I'm, I'm going to maybe get out on the edge a little bit, but you'll remember this. It says he he arranged the wood, and then it says he cut the bull. I mean, there it is, right there. He cut the bull. You might get offended, but I going to tell the church in America. I'll talk to George Sawyer, and I'll talk to Calvary Assembly. Some folks need to cut the bull around here. <laughs> you just need to cut the bull. You've been doing enough, John, you, you need to stand up and cut the bull. You need to decide what you're going to believe what you're not going to believe. You need to rebuild an altar or don't no build an altar. We need to stop wavering in the middle and say, no one knows. Yes, we know. And you know, and you know, the people knew, we know, the world knows. The world starts praying when Demar Hamble's laying on the ground. You know why? Because we know there is a God. Because the atheist knows there is a God. The agnostic knows there is a God. Your prodigal children know there is a God. The people that laugh at you know there is a God. And what we have to do is have a moment of encounter with them that is bigger than we are and bigger than they are until they have to realize there is a God. But along the way, we cut the bull. We go get the water. The Bible says that they filled four large jars of water. He said "Pour it on the offering. They did it. He said do it again and they did it. He said do it a third time and they did it. What you have to understand we're three and a half years into a drought there and they're taking those precious commodity in the land. Water. Water was more valuable than silver and gold and houses and land. Water was the rarest commodity. And so Elijah said I'm going all in on this thing. I'm not going to do a little halfway thing. I'm going to rebuild the altar. I'm going to cut the bull. I'm going to get the most costly thing I know and we're going to pour it out on the altar of God. So what happens? Now remember, they prayed all day. (laughs) Verse 36, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Look at his prayer. (laughs) You know, if you've been praying in private, you don't have to pray long in public. I usually can tell how people have been praying. Those long prayers in public, I'm always thinking they're just catching up on what they hadn't been doing in private. But that's just me. So, so he'd been praying in private. He didn't have to pray long in public. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel. I love this. Let it be known today that you were God in Israel. That I'm your servant and have done all these things at your command. Now look at verse 37. Why does God want to answer by fire? Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. Why? So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. That's it. Why, God? So they'll know you're God. So they'll know you sent me. So you'll turn their hearts. See, they haven't been willing Their hearts are hard. Verse 38. What's the first word? Then. (laughs) Then means something happened before this. We've just talked about it. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, licked up the water in the trench. You build an altar and the fire will come. You build an altar and God. You know what I love? If I'm the altar and the fire comes, it says it completely enveloped the altar. God, burn us up in your presence today. God take us into who you are. So, so now what happens? Are you ready? Are you ready when power? See, your people are willing in the day of your power. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This unwilling, untalking, unmoved, compromised nation, when they encountered the power of God, they cried out, there is a God. You are the Lord. We confess you are who you say you are. Verse 40. Now, this will rattle some of you. We don't do this today. Relax. Then Elijah commanded, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Now, I don't ask you to kill anybody, but there's some things that need to be killed in our life. See, if you're going to choose who's the Lord, then you don't need that stuff anymore. You know, I would think if I went to church and 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 uh, you know I'm struggling and I'm not willing and 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 I haven't committed my life to the Lord and and and, and you know I brought my stash in with me. If I really encounter the power of God, I I would think I can just lay it on the altar and leave because I don't need it anymore. <laughs> Let me try this. I would think if I came into the church and I was bitter and angry and unforgiving and I met Jesus and I encountered the power of God, then I would assume I don't need that anymore and I would leave that here and go home without it in my life. You see, because that fire will do that and, 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 and it's false stuff we, we're willing to let go of and get away. Come on, i got to hurry here. So verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is a the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel bent down to the ground, put his face down between his knees. He tells his servant, he said, come here. He said, it's time to break the drought. Now, you got to understand, if you want some rain, you repent first. (laughs) The rain didn't come till the repentance came. Everybody with me? We want the rain, but we don't like to repent. We want my circumstance to change, but I don't want to change. So he gets down to pray. The Hebrew says, his position was like the women, the Hebrew women got in when they were birthing a baby. He was in the birthing position. Now, I don't know what that was, so this is all I got right now. Okay, so he's in the birthing position. But he said he bent been down and started praying. He said, Go look, you see anything? He said, well, Come on, in the day of his power, you'll start praying. In the day of his power, you'll pray more than one time. In the day of his power, you'll pray bold prayers and you'll pray persistently. Go look. You see anything? I don't see a thing, Elijah. Pray some more. Go look again. He said, I don't see a thing. Seven times. Seven times. Why do we pray seven times? Because we heard God say it's going to rain. Because we still believe there's a promise. On the seventh time, he said, what do you see? He said, all I see is a cloud the size of man's hand he got up and said we better get ready here it comes here's what I want to tell you today in my prayer time in my prayer closet in my walking with God I I've seen a cloud the size of a man's hand I'm gonna tell you right now you better get up you better put your belt on you better get ready for what you're gonna do because I believe there's the cloud the size of a man's hand over this nation right now oh it's not the outpouring yet it's not the flood yet But I believe the cloud is up. I believe the rain is coming. I believe that God's going to transform some things. I want you to stand with me. Come on. Let's stand together right now. Let's stand. I believe in the day of God's power that people become willing. I believe in the day of God's power that backsliders come home. Come on, anybody with me right now. I believe in the day of his power, prodigals come home. I believe in the day of his power, those that have been coming to church but haven't been surrendered, start surrendering. Is anybody with me right now? I believe a skeptical culture, when they encounter the power of God, will begin to say, You are God. There is a Lord. And I believe that's how these things are going to happen. It won't be the personality or a preacher, it'll be the fire of God that falls. And I pray, I pray for the fire of God to fall. I was in a meeting with some, with some leaders of this Southeast region this last week and praying over a, a day and, and a man came to me who, who I know but not closely uh, and, and has never had a particular word. I've never known him to be particularly prophetic. It's not his gifting. And, and yet he came to me crying. He said, Pastor, he said, i I was praying. He said, I saw a vision of North Alabama. He said, I saw Calvary. And I saw this fire. And he said, and I saw these other fires start breaking out. He was weeping. He said, I saw it. He said, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm going to come and drive my car around up there. I want to come pray. I'm going to come pray with you. I'm going to agree with your church. I'm going to drive in that region. I saw fire coming. You know, the presence of God coming. God working. Church family I think it's so critical that you and I are here and realize that God who is holy and righteous and, and even think of those people that had, had offered their children to a demon God and burned their families. How perverse. How, how unimaginable. The false religion the, the rebellion and disobedience to God. Listen to me. But when God sent the prophet it was time for the power you know, I believe in real prophets, don't you misunderstand anything I say. The reason I get frustrated with false prophets is because I know they're real prophets. And I don't want the voice to be muted of that which is really from God. But can you imagine? I'm sure a lot of people would think God would be mad and angry at those people who couldn't make a choice, who wouldn't even speak, who stood there wavering between demons and God trying to somehow say I can do both. But what did he say when it was time to show himself? He said, come here to me. Yes, he said, come here to me. That's God. That's our God. That's our God. He doesn't ask you to bleed. Jesus bled for us. He doesn't ask you to cut yourself and go through those hysteronics. Jesus died for us. So today, church family, I want us to before God say Lord I'm willing again I'm, I, I'm, I want to build an altar I'm, I'm going to stay there I want to sacrifice I, you don't buy God you don't, you don't pay him off you don't beg him he wants to do these things but we have to be willing to come and trust him again it's a little raw but we have to be willing to cut the bull stop the foolishness quit dancing around you know, and just come. Just come. I I really feel that the Holy Spirit's just dealing with folks today. And I don't, you know, I I I want to do this. Because I believe it's there's some people that have been in church for a while, God's dealing with some things. So my goal is not to embarrass you. My goal is to say it this way. And I know it's time to stop and everything. But if today you love the Lord whatever your condition is I'm not going to question that right now what he says is if you want fire in your life if you want fire in your home if you want fire in our church if you're hungry if you're just hungry I want you to come stand in front of this place just come stand if you're hungry say God I want fire we'll make room some way for everybody that's hungry just hungry hungry. God I want fire and fires here in this context means his power, his presence. Just come. If you're hungry, if you're hungry, there may be people that come forward today, you're you're lost. Most of you are gonna be people who love God with all their heart, but you're hungry. There are people who have been standing with God and they're hungry. It's okay. People are crying out to God. It's okay. It's okay. People are crying out. We'll make room on the sides, we'll make room in the aisles. We're we're just saying, God, we're hungry. Listen, it's okay. We, we, we need to learn what it sounds like when people begin to cry out to God. I'm real comfortable with that. I'm real comfortable with that. Some people never heard anything in church that sounded like surrender and crying out. I'm real fine with that. Just call on the Lord. Just call on the Lord. God says, come here, come here, come here, come here. I'm going to show you something. That's what he says. If you'll come, you're, going to, you're about to see something. You're about to see something. Come. Just come here, God. Come here, God. Come here. God says, come here. I want to I show you who I am. I'm not pushing you away. I love you. I love you. I'm not pushing you off. I'm not running from you. I'm, I'm here. I'm not hiding. I'm going to come right and wide open. I'm going to come bring fire right in the middle of everything. You don't have to search for me. I'm right here. Just come. Just come. Lord, we love you. Lord, we come. 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 God, we come. God, we come. Build your altar where you are right now. Build your altar. God wants to show you something amazing. God wants to take your faith to another level. God wants to bring your hope to another place. God wants to bring your surrender. Oh, you're, you're, you're one surrender away from a breakthrough in your life today. <laughs> God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let your fire fall on us, God. Let your fire fall in this place, God. Oh, God, let your fire fall in this place, God. Oh, God, let your fire fall in our homes, God. Oh, God, let your fire fall in our hearts, God. Oh, God, let your fire fall in our schools, God. Oh, God, let your fire fall in our businesses, God. Oh, God, let your fire fall in our government offices. Let your fire fall in the dark places. Let your fire fall in the dark places, God, in the hard places, God. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. God, in the hard places, in the dark places, in the hard hearts, in the stubborn hearts. Oh, God, in the atheist hearts, in the agnostic's heart, in the backslider's heart, in the cold Christian's heart, in the lukewarm heart. God, fall. Let fire come. Fire, fire, fire. God, turn up the heat. God, may our first love glow again. May the joy of the Lord glow again. May the presence of God glow again. God, 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 we call on you. We call on you. God, thank you, God. You are for us, oh, God. Thank you that your word has come here to me. Come here to me, come here to me, come here to me. Oh God, you say come here to me today. Oh God, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are for us, you are for us, you are with us. God, melt away the strongholds, melt away the hard hearts, heal the broken places, restore the altars in our homes, restore the altars in our lives. Restore the altars in our marriages. Restore the altars, God, in the house of God. We call on you. We call on you. We call on you. We call on you, God. Thank you that you're more than willing. Thank you that you're just looking for the next Elijah. You're looking for the next Elijah. The five-year-old Elijah's. The ten-year-old Elijah's. The fifteen-year-old Elijah's. The 20-year-old Elijah, the 25, the 30, the 35, the 40, the 45, the busy mom, the single mom. The hard work family, God, the 50, the 55, the 60, the 65, the 70, the 75, the 80, the 85. That grandmother who's been praying, fire is coming, grandmother. That grandmother that's been praying, fire is coming, grandmother. That parent that's been praying, fire is coming. Fire is coming. Oh, God, we say, bring your fire, God. God, we're just hungry for more of you, God. Hungry for more of you, oh God. Hungry, hungry, hungry. If you're lost today, if you're away from Jesus, call on the Lord. Call on the Lord. If you've been away, call on the Lord. If you've been waffling, step out of that place. Step out of your sin today. Step out of your compromise today. The Lord is able. The Lord is able. If you lost your way, come back. If you've been discouraged, come back. The fire is here. Jesus. 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 The fire, the presence, the glory, the altar, the glory, the altar, the fire, the presence of God. Jesus. 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 Fill the house. Fill the house. Walk in the house. Lay your hand on us, Lord. Let the fire burn, God. The glory of your presence. glory of your presence. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Shift. Shift it. Change it. Shift it. Move it, God. Move it, God. Move it, God. Move our hearts, Lord. Move our hearts, Lord. God, heal those stony, broken places, God. Melt the hard places, God. Let hope arise. Let hope rise. Let faith rise. Lord, we're willing. We're willing. Hallelujah. 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 God, we believe you're big enough. We believe you're great enough. We believe you will show yourself mighty in every way. We believe that you are big enough, great enough, God. Bigger than every crisis, bigger than every drought, able to provide. Hallelujah. 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 Church family, if there's anything I believe the Lord is saying to us in this day, is that it is the day of His power. It is the day of His power. And and your need, your answer, your solution is come to Him. Keep coming to Him. Keep coming to Him. Keep keep creating space in your life for the power of God to touch you. There are choices that you've held back on, you'll make in the presence of God. Are you with me? There, there, There are, you know, this thing, am I willing to surrender? Am I willing to let go? Am I willing to obey? That changes in the presence of God. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. Just keep coming to Him. God will give you the strength. God will change your heart. God will melt the hardness. God will put it back together. You know, it wasn't at all what I've sensed leading up to this, but just in this moment, uh, I, I really sense that life has created this hard heart in some marriages. You used to love each other and be sweethearts. <laughs> and you just kind of, oh, you got a contract right now. I want to pray over you. I believe God wants to melt some hearts. I didn't plan this. It's the word from the Lord. It's a word from the Lord. It's just gotten hard. You don't talk nice to each other. You don't date each other. Lord, have mercy. I want to pray, Father. And then let me come here, sweetheart. God, Phil, Pastor Phyllis and I pray for the marriages in our church, God this life is tough, it's hard, it's wicked, it's unkind, it's unyielding. God, you want the joy of the Lord to flourish again in every life at home. God, I pray over these precious men and women whose marriages have become stale and and difficult. God, you want to heal today. But God, I believe that healing comes individually. God, let that husband's heart become a... Soft again. Let him become willing and yielding again to love his wife and love her like Christ loves the church. I pray for those wives that have become hard today, God, that they will trust their husband like we trust you, Jesus. That there will be a reconciliation and a healing and a reunion, God. Step at a time. Let them take the first steps. God, let them kneel together and weep together in the presence of God. Let them humble themselves before God again. God, there's something you're wanting to do there, God. The enemy's trying to encroach. The enemy's trying to make a wedge, a divide. And God, we declare that broken now in the name of Jesus. God, this is going to result in children coming back to God. This is going to result in families seeing the glory of God. Lord, this is going to be new altars where the power of God visits us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Church family, let's keep coming to Him. Amen? Let's keep coming. Let's keep coming. Let's keep coming. Just keep coming. He says, come here to me. Come here to me. Come here to me. That's not hard to do, is it? You don't have to remember a hundred things. One thing. Come here to me. Come here to me. Let's come to Him. God's presence is going to change us. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.